0: Okay, let's find a seat, everybody. Let's find a seat. Lord, as we open your holy word, we ask that your spirit would teach all of us what we need to learn today. Speak to every heart, prepare us for what is to come. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Go ahead and open your Bibles. We are in chapter 15 of Revelation Hold your Bible up. Everybody, bring one. Bring one, bring one, bring one. We got some if you need them. We're talking about finishing the wrath of God or God's wrath. That's our topic today. Let me tell you a quick story. My father went into Army Air Corps as a young man uh, during World War II, and he ended up being a flight engineer. On a B-29, that's what that powerful weapon looked like. Actually, he trained in Texas and was going to be a, she was, he was going to be a flight engineer on a B-17. And he had one last pre, pre-flight physical before they flew to Europe that day. And the doctor looked at him and said, well, you're not going anywhere. And he said, what? He said, you've got a hernia. He said, I do not have a hernia. He said, you do have a hernia, and you're having surgery. And uh, my dad said, when? He said, today. He said, well, that means I won't be able to leave with my crew, and those are my buddies. We've been training together. He says, that's true. Somebody else will take your slot, but there's always another Crew. So he ended up staying in Texas another year, uh, training other people to do what he had learned to do. And then he went to the South Pacific. And I am very glad for that pre-flight physical. Because that plane got shot down. And that physical... Now that ailment saved my dad's life and I would not be here today without that. God. God works behind the scenes always and I've had a couple of those surgeries myself and I've never complained one single time. So my, my dad is a flight engineer. That's with those guys that have, uh, Compasses and maps and slide rules and they're plotting the flight of the bomber and they're relaying coordinates to the pilot. So they're on their way to a bombing run in Japan and a radio message comes in to his plane. The date is August 15th, 1945. Now my dad never told me this story. And here's what the message said. You are to turn around, take your plane, go back to base, because the war is over. And after my father died in 1996, my brother and I are going through boxes of pictures with no name, no date, and Saved letters and all kind of stuff. How many of you guys have boxes full of stuff with no name, no date, and your kids are going to go through it? What is this? I found his flight book. And in his unmistakable, almost illegible writing, I see these words. The war's going Off, it's done. We're going home today. Can't wait to get back home. My life has been spared one more time. And my dad seemed like an old man then. He was 24. I seemed so young today. That was what many call the greatest generation. Now, I want to put in current events into what the scripture talks about. During the Second World War... Almost 50 million people died. 50 million people. Japan alone lost 2.1 million fighting men. The U.S. lost 416,000 fighting men. Russia lost the most. They lost over 10 million. Germany lost about 7 million. At one of the final battles in the South Pacific, the Battle of Okinawa, we see these young 22, 18-year-olds, 20-year-olds disembarking disembarking off of a landing craft. At Okinawa alone, one of the last battles, 100,000 Japanese young men died. They would not surrender. And you may not know this, but 12,000 young American men died. In that battle alone, when my father wrote down august fifteenth nineteen forty five the war's over uh, I'm just curious was that a good thing or a bad thing I'm sorry, good thing or bad thing. It was good for America, it was good for Japan, it was good for Russia, it was good for England, it was good for Spain, it was good for Italy, it was good for Ethiopia, it was good for Egypt, it was good, because the war is over. War was over. Now, let's look at the passage, Revelation 15, and this is the shortest book, shortest chapter in Revelation And I'm reading out of English Standard. John said, I saw another sign. Everyone say another sign. Saw it in heaven. It was great and marvelous. What was the sign? Seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last. Everyone say last. For with them, this is good news. This is really good news. This is better news than August 15th. For with them the wrath of God is finished. That's good news. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire. And also those who had conquered the beast. Its image. The number of its name. Standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. And they sang the song of Moses. The servant of God. And they sang another song. I sang the song of the Lamb, saying this, Great and marvelous are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been Revealed. Now, when John writes, everything John writes is important. When he said he saw a sign, what is a sign? I always like to define things. It is a person. It is a picture. It is an object that points to something else more important. This is a really big deal. This is a really, really big deal. And he uses these two words to describe it. He says, the sign was great. Everyone say great. And the sign is marvelous. Everyone say marvelous. And I'm thinking about this when I'm reading it. I'm going, I've read this and the whole book many times. It doesn't feel great and marvelous. It feels huge weighty dark and difficult but that's not how heaven saw it and we need to see things like heaven sees things chapter 15 we're going to study today is a warm-up for one of the toughest chapters in the bible chapter 16 we will talk about next week it is setting the stage for that so john saw seven angels how many angels Seven super beings, real creatures with super intelligence and gifts. And they possess seven plagues, seven bowls full of really dark, difficult things. And these are the last of God's judgment at the very end of the seven year tribulation period. So we're getting close. The war is getting close to being over. These are the final movements. And they come in rapid fire, staccato-like. And each one of the bowls will be stronger in impact, in fury, and in intensity. Now these were carried out. When they were done... Good news. Everyone say good news. Do you like good news? Good news. The war will be over and God's draft will be finished. And that is wonderful news. That's great news. I live for today. If you had to be alive, this is the most important time in earth's history to be alive because the most important things are happening. Now, next, John Saul. Something called the sea of glass. It's almost indescribable and it's mingled with fire. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. I could guess, but my guessing would be off. Since it's so difficult to describe, it apparently must be some kind of transparent, crystal-like platform. That is underneath the very throne room of God. It appears like it's almost alive and moving. And John saw the saints from every nation. Now, you're either, now some church friends in other denominations, they have a category for people that have served Jesus really well. And they go through a board, and they get nominated, and they become saints. They're like super Christians. That's not really a biblical picture, because either you are a saint or you are a ain't. (laughs) A saint is someone that has received Jesus as Savior. Have you received Jesus as Savior? Hold your hand up. Okay, turn to your neighbor if you know their name, and go ahead and say, Thank you for coming, saint. And then fill in the blank. Grandmothers, tell your little ones to call you Saint Betty instead of Nana or Mimi or whatever they call you. Try it, they'll go, huh, who are you? So these are the saints, a special category of believers that have come out of the tribulation. Do you know what that means? They have died. They have been killed. They've been given a choice to deny Jesus and worship the Antichrist or the choice to die. And they chose to die. And my guess is there will be millions of them. Another place says you can't count them. But they're counted as victors, winners in God's eyes. They are victorious. And the scripture says they're victorious over the Antichrist, victorious over the mark, victorious over the false system of religion called the image. They all said, no, not going to do that. Not going there. Not going to do that. It's better to be faithful and have a shorter time than to live longer and be unfaithful. And there are people that resisted. This is a church in Nigeria today. Nigeria is one of the toughest places, at least in the north, to be a believer. Churches are burned. Pastors are killed. Villages are raided. It's a dangerous place to be a Christian. And yet they rebuild their churches. They keep sharing the gospel. They keep having prayer meetings. They keep loving and forgiving their neighbors because they're followers of Jesus. And they stayed faithful. And we want to stay faithful. And so John sees these multitudes standing on this heavenly platform. And they are worshiping. They are singing their hearts out because of what Jesus has done for them. And there are two songs that John records. One is the Song of Moses. It goes back to Exodus chapter 15. After they get through the Red Sea, Pharaoh's army is crushed and drowned. And these two, three, four million Hebrews are going, oh my, we're safe. Moses writes a song. Miriam becomes a worship leader and they are worshiping their hearts out the other song. It's called the Song of the Lamb. Two songs. Now here is the part of the Song of the Lamb that we have. We only have a part. John was told to write down these words. And would you say them with me? Because just saying them causes darkness to run And for your heart to be lifted, say it with me please. Great and marvelous are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. Say it again, for you alone are holy. A little louder for which means morally perfect. All nations will come and worship you for your righteous acts have been revealed. Keep track of the things God does for you. Tell them to your children and your grandchildren. Write them in your journal because you need to pass them on to others. Now, prior to each one of the series of judgments upon the earth, I read it, but I never connected it. There is a worship service. Praise breaks out in heaven right before each one of these difficult things come from heaven. Like, what were they? Do you remember? We've been studying this for about six months. The sealed judgments. Each seal unleashed a different thing on the earth. Chapter 5. And then the trumpet judgments we studied back in chapter 7. And we see today the start of the bowl judgments, which are the last. And in my mind, it's like three military assaults being Unfurled against darkness. Now, both of these songs, there's a theme in both of these songs. It's called redemption. They're celebrating the faithfulness of the Lord. And they're grateful that the Lord has rescued them from harm. Has he been faithful to you? Would that be yes or no? I'm sorry, has he been faithful to you? Oh, yes. Has he rescued you? Yes or no? You know, in my prayer time on Friday morning, I'm on my little prayer drive and I'm going to try to just spend that day, that, that period of time in thanksgiving to the Lord. But I just happen to think about all the times he saved me, rescued me, kept me from harm, things that could have taken me out, things that really could have hurt my family, Kept me from really bad choices. Kept me from prolonged discouragement. Kept me from wrong people. And I said, Lord, for everyone that I know about, there's been 500 that I didn't even know were a threat, and you took care of them. You rescued me. You were faithful to me. Now, the two words found in the text that are repeated several times is the word great. Do you see anything great in this photo? These are trees I planted last year in my backyard in Nicholasville. I've watered them (laughs) twice a year. And I've been trying to think, Lord, I can't even define great. If you look up synonyms, there's just... Scores and scores of synonyms and definitions. How do you even wrap your head around when something is great? And I would say it is very, extremely significant. These aren't saplings. These aren't baby trees. These aren't middling trees. These aren't big trees. These are enormous. These are great trees. Have you guys ever seen sequoias? Sequoia trees can grow up to, I think the tallest is 275 feet tall. And they tower above the forest floor. Look at that. They can be up to 102 feet around circumference. Look at that. Great means it is very significant. You see the two children at the base of the tree? They are called tree huggers. Now when you talk about the word marvelous, I love to think, Lord, great and marvelous, great and marvelous, great and marvelous. What would something be that's marvelous? How would it be awe-inspiring? I would go, oh, incredible. I'll show you one. This is in Pigeon Forge. (laughs) Pay $3, you get to walk as long as you want to. Uh, Where is this? This is the Great Wall of China, and it is great. It's not average. It's not mediocre. It is great. It extends 13,171 miles. The Appalachian Trail is about 2,200 miles. It's one-sixth of this. It would take, if you are young and healthy, at a brisk pace, 18 months to walk. That's marvelous. And I wondered, Lord, how far is, how wide is America? From California to Maine is about 2,800 miles. So five times across the U.S. would be about the length of the Great Wall. It is indeed marvelous. What we read about is far more marvelous marvelous than these things because the fruit of God's judgments on the earth has reason and purpose. It is to cause the nations of the earth to worship Jesus instead of the Antichrist because he's going to be all about worship because the devil has always wanted worship. And every living person on this earth will worship something. Atheists actually worship things. They may worship their career or their knowledge or their family. But we are worshiping people. The question is, who are you worshiping? Who are you close to? And the judgments of God during this passage are also redemptive. Everyone say redemptive. What do you mean redemptive? is to cause people at the last moment to turn around. Those that are still on the planet that I would call resistors, that still have a chance. The door is still open to refuse the mark of the beast because millions of people will. To refuse the mark of the beast is at the very end of the seven year tribulation period but there's not much time left and the third reason is these judgments are also punitive everyone say punitive which means the design is to punish all evil finally once and for all and to stop the oppression and the murderous rage of the devil and the antichrist in wiping out Israel. So, are you a worshiper? Is that your first thought on Monday morning? It's getting into the book, finding a place to pray. Being alone with the Father? Are you are you a worshiper? You're worshiping something. You're giving your emotions and your heart to something. And secondly, are you is your life marked by gratitude? You're one of the most grateful people around? And also Are you willing? Some of you have gone through really hard things the last couple of years. Some of you have had incredible losses. It's been tough for a lot of you just to hang on to your faith, just to keep moving, to put one foot in front of the other. But it's probably going to get tougher. It's probably going to get tougher. Are you willing to be faithful to the Lord Jesus? If everybody else in your family falls away, are you going to walk with the Lord? Maybe you're a teenager, maybe you're in college and your faith is kind of following your, your family's faith, but how about your faith? Are you going to be faithful no matter what anybody else does? Now let's talk about the two songs just for a minute. The Song of Moses, there's some really neat comparisons here. It was sung by the Red Sea. The Song of the Lamb... Apparently is sung by the Crystal Sea. The Song of Moses was a triumph, triumphant song because God delivered his people out of Egypt. The Song of the Lamb is also about triumph, but it's triumph over the Antichrist Empire that the scripture calls the future Babylon. The song of Moses showed how God brought his people out. Everyone say out. And the song of the lamb shows how Jesus brought his people in. Someone say praise God. Going in, going in, going in, going in. The first song in all of scripture that we know that's recorded is the song of Moses. And the last song that is recorded in scripture is the song of the lamb. Pretty neat. Now, John saw the Holy of Holies. In the heavenly temple. You still have your Bible open, verse number five. John writes, after this, the sanctuary, everyone say sanctuary, of the tent of witness in heaven was opened, and out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with seven plagues. They were clothed in pure bright linen with golden sashes around their chest. And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God. That's the one who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the sanctuary Until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. This is amazing again. John is given the ability to look into the heavenly realm and see the temple that is in heaven. He called it the tabernacle of testimony. Testimony means the commands what God testified. And I want to remind you, when Moses was given instructions about how to build the tabernacle, the tabernacle was the tent, the movable place of worship. He was given all the components. And every picture in and around is a picture of Jesus for us today. For instance, here is the menorah. See that? That is Jesus, the light of the world. Here we see the showbread that was baked daily, 12 loaves for the 12 tribes. It pictured that Jesus is the bread of life. Then we see the altar of incense, where there were five specific spices placed there every day. And the priest would come twice a day for morning and evening worship with hot coals ...from the brazen altar outside of the tabernacle... ...and he would place hot coals on that incense altar... ...and the aroma would be lifted up... ...even through the veil. And Revelation tells us that is a picture of your prayers. That your prayers are eternal. Your prayers are precious... Your prayers keep working even when you don't think anyone's listening. Because your prayers are a sweet aroma to the Lord. And then we see in the back. So we have the holy place in front. And then we have the holy of holies on the other side of the veil. So the priest would come in, and in the holy place every day. But only the high priest would go through the veil to the Holy of Holies once a year. And you can see the ark right there. See the ark? Now, so John saw into the Holy of Holies where the ark of the covenant was. And I caught, I apologize to the Lord. I apologize to you. I called it a box. Excuse me but I don't know how else to say it. It's a wooden, beautiful box overlaid with pure gold. And at this time, it held the 10 commandments God gave Moses on Mount Sinai. There's a lot of beauty here. Watch, pay attention, don't daydream. On top of the Ark of the Covenant was a special lid. It was also overlaid with pure gold. Does anybody know what it was called? It's called the mercy seat. Have you ever heard of the mercy seat? You're about to. You ought to be glad it's not called the judgment seat. I like mercy seat a lot better. Do you know why? When you die and you stand before the Lord, do you want justice? Or would you rather have mercy? Somebody vote. Do you want justice? Hold your hand up. Or would you like mercy? Hold your hand up. I want mercy. Mercy, Lord. Mercy, Lord. Now, it gets more beautiful. On either side of the ark are two majestic carved angels called cherubim. And they're bowing in worship toward where God would come to the center. Bowing toward his presence. Everything in heaven focuses on God's presence. And we as a church family, our mission statement is we want to see lives transformed by the presence of God. Because when people meet him, they're never the same. So once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest alone would come through the veil. He would enter the Holy of Holies. And he would sprinkle blood from a lamb. With his index finger, he would sprinkle blood on top of the mercy seat. It pictures this. Are you ready? This is the most important thing I'll say. When God looked down from heaven on earth at the temple or the tabernacle, When he looked down and saw the ark, he saw the law, the tablets inside the ark, which his people had broken. Now, I'm not sure. I think most of the rowdy people at Church of the Savior were at the first service. I don't think this would include any of you guys. Do I have any people that are by nature just lawbreakers? I mean, you just, you just are. You see a bench painted. And it says, do not touch fresh paint. And what do you do? Oh gosh, sure is, sure is. Your mom tells you something, you just don't want to do it. Your boss tells you something, you don't want to do it. When God tells you to do something, you still don't want to do it. We're kind of like lawbreakers. Well, is the law good or bad? Is it good or bad? It's good. Because Paul said the law is our guide. It's our tutor. To show us what's right and what's wrong. I shouldn't have idolatry in my heart, but sometimes my heart wanders. I should be tempted to not tell the truth, but I get pressured. We shouldn't lust, but sometimes we do. You and I have never had a perfect day yet. And so when God looks down from heaven, Instead of seeing the law of God, he would see the blood of the covenant. He would see that innocent animal's blood on top of the mercy seat. And God's people's sins were covered. Not by our performance. We'll never get to heaven by our performance because it's never perfect. Perfect. There'll never be a perfect church, never a perfect message, never a perfect marriage, never a perfect kid, it's never perfect here. There's always some wheat and always some tares in every single thing. Romans 4 says, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are what? Covered, covered. bless God. So this is a great picture this is a marvelous picture. This is the greatest picture of all that showed the death of our Savior Jesus Christ, the Holy Lamb of God who shed His blood so we could be forgiven. So we could be adopted. I can't go to heaven without the blood of Christ because I'm flawed and imperfect. God is a perfect holy God. Heaven is a perfect holy place. If I show up as a stinker, I ruin heaven. I stink it up from the first time I get there. So I can't go except to have my sins covered by the mercy of God. Now, Revelation, God is doing everything he can do. He's extending pardon, great pardon, marvelous pardon. So his wrath in chapter 16 does not affect. Because when you die, you have a couple of choices. When you die and you stand before the Holy One, do you want to be judged by the law of God? There's a lot of laws other than just the ten. Or do you want to be judged by mercy and by the blood of Christ? It's everyone's choice. We want to tell everybody we can about the pardon offered in Christ. And are you thankful for this? Would that be yes or no? I'm like really thankful. Undeservedly thankful. Now from the temple in heaven. But we kind of wrap this up. John keeps looking. Jesus keeps telling him what to write. And this is what he writes. Seven angels. Seven leaders. Come out of the temple in heaven. They have a mission. They're going to carry out their mission. And they're dressed in beautiful. Radiant. White. Glorious. Untarnished. Linen. Which represents the holiness of their mission and their purity. And each angel has either from his shoulder this way or around his chest that way. I don't know, a golden sash. It doesn't even explain the meaning, but my guess is it it's an indicator of their rank, of their mission, of their power and authority. And then here's something crazy that happens. There are four super beings, probably the greatest created beings ever called cherubim. And they surround the throne and they have four faces. They have the face of a lion, an eagle, an ox and a man. It pictures the four natures of Christ found in the four gospels. They have eyes everywhere, they know everything, they call out the holiness of God, and one of them steps forward and goes and gathers seven containers, seven bowls, and he hands out a bowl to each one of these super beings. And the bowls have the wrath of God in them. The cherubim affirmed that these assignments, I mean, I try to look at every single word in the scripture. I try to, why did he say that? And the word says this, they were from the one who lives forever and ever. This is a no fail mission. And heaven's temple was filled with God's glory. John called it smoke. <clears throat> the temple in heaven shook with God's power. And no one could enter the temple until the assignment was completed. I'm trying to picture that with my imagination. And a reminder just want to keep this perspective. The one who sends the seven angels is also the one. The scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him, who would ever trust in him, whoever would receive him, wouldn't perish, but have what? Eternal life. I'm going to ask the worship team to get ready to come out. I want to tell you a quick story. I love that picture. The law. God could see the law. Instead, he sees the blood. The law or the blood. In my first little church where I was a pastor, I was in Shelby County. And I was there for seven years. Love that church, love those people. My boys were born there. Uh, that church did more for me than I did for them. We had people coming to Christ, seems like every week. Church grew quite a bit. And I had a godly Sunday school teacher. She was a retired public school teacher. And she knew the scriptures and she taught an adult class. Here in the Sunday school hour. And I was so grateful for her. Because I just trusted her so much. So godly, humble, devout wife. Her husband was big, arrogant, smart, profane. Had a chip on his shoulder and let everybody know it. And I tried for seven years to become my friend's, my lost friend's Buddy. Uh, he'd call me up and say hey Steve uh, I got some tomatoes out of my garden you want to come down and get them I go down and get them one we didn't have much money the table was kind of lean Ta- tomatoes were good but also I wanted to keep developing a friendship with my buddy Bob he called me up and say I got corn You want to come down and get some corn I said sure he'd find all kind of stuff and he'd I don't know. I guess something was telling him I needed to go down and see him. So he'd he'd tell me, I got this. You want to come? I found this on the side of the road. You want it? I go, yeah. What is it? I don't know. Come get it. So I go down and get it. Spent an hour talking to him about stuff. One day he called me up. He said, "Uh, I found a perfectly good toilet seat. Would you like it? I thought, well, Sue does have a birthday coming up, you know. (laughs) It's brand new. I mean, it's still wrapped up. And who knows? You may need one, right? I went down, got the toilet seat. She goes, who's, what is that? Why do you have it? Why are you bringing it in the house? It's a gift from Bob to you. Well, when I knew I was leaving that church, I wanted to, with tears, I wanted to talk to Bob about faith because I never he never would let me. So I went down to his house. He probably gave me something quirky. And I just said, you know, you and I have been friends seven years. There's a real heaven to gain. And can I ask you two questions? He said, what are they? It's what we teach in Evangelism Explosion on Thursdays. I said, have you come to the place in your spiritual life where you know for certain that if you were to die that you'd go to heaven? Or is that something you're still working on? He was about 80. He had had heart attacks. He had cancer. He'd had a stroke. I don't think he answered me. He said, what's your second question? I said, well, let's say the time comes and you do die and you stand before the Lord And he says, why should I let you in my heaven? What are you going to say? He gave me the most unusual answer. He said, I don't believe in all that Jesus. And he used a word. He said, when I die and I stand before God, I want to be judged by the Old Testament. I went, you do? Yeah, I want to be judged by the Ten Commandments. I said, now, Bob, have you have you read them? Do you know what they are? They're like really hard. Yeah, I want to be judged by the Ten Commandments. Can you name one of them? Oh, not really. I said, go get a Bible. Alma's got a Bible here somewhere. So he shuffled lumbered off, got a Bible, came back. I said, do you know where they are? No, I don't know where they are. Let's find them. Exodus 20. So we got started with the first one. Have you ever worshiped an idol? An idol, I don't have a statue of Buddha. I said, but I see you a lot tinkering with that John Deere tractor. I hear you love your pistols and rifles. And I know you love this farm. Have you ever told a lie, Bob? Have you ever borne false witness? Well, yeah, I've done that. I said, have you ever stolen? And he told me about arguing with his brother over their parents' farm when when they died. I said, have you ever committed adultery? Oh, no, I've been faithful for all these 60 years. I said, uh, but how about in your head and your heart? And about the time I got to about four or five, I knew I should have seen it coming. His face got red and his big thick neck veins started bulging. And he took his big meaty fist and slammed it on the table. And he said, preacher, as far as I'm concerned, you can go to, and he didn't say Disney World. And he said, you and that church, two miles down the road, you all can go to Paramount Center or wherever that was. And he said, get out of my house and don't come back. I said, yes, sir. And uh, that bothered me. That bothered me. about a month later his wife stopped coming to our church because of the way he acted toward me they went to the biggest church in the county he went with her and that church had a Sunday morning television program and when the pastor gave the altar call that rough old man got up out of his seat came forward and gave his heart to Jesus he decided he did want mercy and Jesus is the one that paid for him the next week he called me up I forget what he said I got oak you want to come I go I'm not sure I do you know I don't want to go back there. But somebody told me what they'd seen on TV, that this guy got saved on TV that everybody in the county saw. And when I sat down with him, he said, I don't know how to say this, but I treated you very poorly. I want to ask you to forgive me. But I have given my heart to Christ. And thank you for nudging me that way. Folks, we don't know how much time we have on this planet. We ought to ask the Lord to give us a burden for lost people. We ought to love people right where they are. We ought to love the people that nobody else loves. We ought to give them time. We ought to treat them like family. We ought to care about them like they were our best friend. Because how are they going to know about the mercy seat? How are internationals going to know about the mercy seat unless we love them? So I want to give two invitations today during this part of the service. The first is, I want to ask the Lord to give us all, including me, a greater burden for the lostness of mankind. We'll care about people. We'll cry about people. We will hear the Holy Spirit say, Stop in and see that neighbor. Talk to those kids in the street. Go visit that single mother. Tell her you care about her. Ask her if you can pray. And the second is that if you're here, or maybe you're watching online and you know you're not right with God, you've been away, you've been adrift, or maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus, why wait? Don't wait a single day. The Holy of Holies is open for you. The blood is over your sins if you ask for it. So every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want to ask the Holy Spirit to give you a burden for people that are lost, hold your hand up so I can pray. Hold your hand up so I can pray. Father, release your grace today. Break our hearts with the things that break yours the broken, the lost, the lame, the least, the people nobody else cares about. Give us a burden to share the gospel, to be really good about talking about the claims of Christ. Release that anointing on us. And we buy the spirit of fear that would keep us in our homes, keep us in our cars, and keep us quiet. Here we are, Lord, send us. And for the last, if you're watching online or you're sitting here today and you want to get right with God, you want to be forgiven of every sin, you want to be washed clean, you want Jesus to save you, just pray with me right where you are and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart today. Be my Lord. Be my boss. I surrender and submit to you today. Make me your child. And I will serve you as long as I have breath. In Jesus' name. Julie's going to share a special song with you that she wrote about this. Uh, you may not know the words, but I want you to enjoy it. This song will make the demons flee. And The altar is always open and there's people that will pray with you.
1: about six months ago um, I was reading through my one year Bible and I was reading through Revelation and um, I got to chapter 15 and read about the song of the Lamb and I was like you know I've never heard a song with these words and I was like I was thinking oh that would be such a beautiful song but it almost seems too holy to sing something that's being sung in heaven I don't think that I would even be fit to utter that And the moment I had that thought this I heard this being sung in my head this chorus and I was I was just taken aback and I was like Lord that that was you and I just started to cry and the whole song is only scripture and um And I felt like, as Steve was talking about it this morning, I felt like I was supposed to share this song. And um, I know that that's kind of awkward because you all don't know it, so you're just kind of sitting there. But just feel free to just open up your hearts and just spend time with the Lord as I sing Scripture out over you.
2: deeds are marvelous, O Lord, God Almighty, your ways are just and true. Of the Lamb. Hallelujah.
1: Would you all stand? We're going to join in this last familiar song together just in worship of our Lamb.
3: this morning. Sing hallelujah. Hallelujah. And hallelujah for the Lord God Almighty. Amen.
1: Let's give him praise.
0: You are worthy. Lord. Jesus.
4: Let's pray. You alone are holy. You alone are God. And you alone are worthy to receive all glory, honor, and praise. And we worship you in spirit and in truth. In your house, this is your church. And we honor you, Lord Jesus. with All of our praises. We submit and commit our lives to you once again. Thank you for the blood thank you for your grace and thank you for the mercy seat which declares us innocent of all charges thank you jesus for your forgiveness and we honor you today because of who you are and it's in christ's name we pray amen thank you for worshiping with us Leave quietly. There are people to pray with you on each each side. Have a wonderful day in the Lord. Thank you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you were encouraged to grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There's also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope to see you next